because I tell people I'm building on the backs of people who came before me. For in my case, it's my parents. It's them who were the initial ones who were create courageous, which a lot of entrepreneurs are. They took risks, they sacrificed, and they built a really good foundation. When I arrived, Stacy was already a multi-million dollar company. And fortunately, I think when iron sharpens iron, when there is vision, when people are in alignment, when you build the right team, then you can build even more exponentially larger multi-million dollar company with purpose, with meaning, and with the right people. Movers, welcome to another episode of Her Money Moves. And today I have a good friend and my WPO Women Presidents Organization sister, Brandy Harlow. She is the president of the South Post Oak Recycling Center, but that's not where her journey first began. So she's going to give some incredible insights today because she has just taken this company to astronomic levels. Really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Stacy. I'm really fortunate and grateful to be here. And I have to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of seeing you with your vision and then making your money move in multiple ways. Thank you. <laughs> you started off at working at what, two of the Fortune 100 companies yeah. and climbing the corporate ladder mm -hmm. there. So how did you make that transition? And what did you learn at those corporations mm -hmm. that you then applied to later on? Yes. Building the right relationships, connecting with people, building authentic relationships. So met some folks there, stayed in touch with them. I applied to work for a healthcare company in California. And this is probably one of my first blows of failure. So I got this job to work at this large healthcare company, got a job offer is going to be my first big girl's job out of college. And probably a week before I was supposed to start, that offer was rescinded. And I was completely taken aback by this. And when I paused to kind of explore it, I learned that you can say it was supposed to be or you can say it was technical. At that time, I had completed my thesis, but it wasn't published. And so they pretty much said, you're not completed with your master's degree. And this is where I really say in life, your setbacks can set you up. Your setbacks can set you up for your next opportunity. So fast forward, that opportunity didn't happen. And I ended up working in getting a great opportunity in aerospace, not an industry that I was anywhere on my radar, you know, and that happens in life too. There's opportunities and blessings that come about and you're like, I don't know where this came from, but there's times where you just got to lean into that. So that produced a two-year career with a great leader, a great mentor, and then that created an opportunity to move into my dream job. And that's when the call from the Walt Disney Company came and I ended up spending about eight years there before transitioning into my business. Wow. And what was your role there? You know, I started off in my dream job. So I, I don't know if you can think of your dream job, your first dream job. But mine was there was a department called Global Leadership and Organizational Development. A real sexy name, GLOD. It was called the GLOD Group. Well, so I wanted to be a part of the GLOD team. And so I was a manager of organizational development. And I did that and I think was faithful in that role for a couple of years. And then I ended up getting promoted to run all of organizational development and leadership development for the interactive media division of the company. Now, this was after being groomed by great bosses, a boss leaving, a lot of ups and downs that went with 
with it. But I ended up essentially when people say, what is an organization going to look like? How should it be designed? I kind of led that along with my team to work side by side with execs to say, this is what the org design needs to look like. Or if they say, what is your pipeline of talent need to look like? We would work on processes to say, this is how you backfill your talent. Or how do we review these people in the organization? We would develop processes and systems. And believe it or not, all of those things that I led and I did and I work with a team are the exact same things that are needed today to run my business. I would have never thought this. But when people like when I was leaving, they were like, are you going to be able to take this IO stuff with you? I'll tell you, Stacy, hindsight 2020, almost 11 years into this business, the people piece is the primary piece, I think, of any successful business. So that path, you know, that 14 years for me, going from retail, working at Target's regional office to aerospace to then the Walt Disney Company in two different divisions, I just believe it was God's way of saying, let me prepare you for what's to come, even though you don't see what I have prepared for you. But I see now in hindsight, a complete line of sight well, in having the ability to create your own culture. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. And that, I mean, that was one of the drivers when folks were like, well, Brandy, what do you like most, you know, about this entrepreneurial path? And it is, they're definitely piece of it that are grind, you know, and you got to have fun while you're doing it. But I literally, before I came to talk with you today, I was talking with my leadership team and I was sharing with them why I'm excited about 2024. And one of the things that I shared is that one thing I'm passionate about is helping people become the best versions of themselves and then equipping my leaders to help the rest of our team become the best version of ourselves. And I think that came from an innate desire, but then the tools and the ability to execute on that, I think, came from this pre-14 year path that I never would have thought, oh, I'll, I'll be running a business, you know, 15 years from now. So how did that happen? How did you then become transition into a multi-million dollar mm-hmm. entrepreneur running the business yeah. of a multi-million dollar empire? So one of the coaches that we worked with, his name was Peter. Peter was middle aged guy, executive coach. He did not look like me at all, but we very much connected. And I never forget, Peter was wrapping up one of his coaching sessions with one of the presidents that I worked with. And we were grabbing coffee like normal. And he said, hey, Brandy, what's next for you? And I said, what do you mean, Peter? What's next for me? I said, I'm in my dream job here working with or for the mouse, however you want to look at it. And he said, I just really believe in my spirit that there's something more for you. He said, you've done a really good job here. You really have. And I can see it. I've seen you make a difference. He said, but I feel like there's something more. And I don't know if you've been in a situation where somebody says something that just really stops you in your tracks. Yes. Or causes you to pause in a way where you're just like, hmm, let me think about this. Yeah, because they see something in you that yes. you didn't necessarily see in yourself. Yes, yes. And you're like, wow. Yes. And it gives me chills as you say that, because I think we all have that power to do that for others. And at that moment, he was doing that for me. He was just like, I see something. And I said, and then he kind of pushed the conversation along and. What have you thought about and where we landed in that conversation is him saying out of multiple things, what about this family business? What about this recycling business you've told me about in Houston? And I said, the scrap metal business. And he said, yeah, Brandy, he said. And part of him painting this picture looked like this. He said, Brandy, I think recycling is the way of the future. 
Mind you, this was 15 years ago. I think recycling is the way of the future. He said, I've also looked at statistics. He said businesses fail exponentially after the first generation because there's not somebody there to take it over. He said there's something to the tune of only 10 to 20 percent of businesses effectively or successfully transition from generation one to generation two. And he said, and I think you can do that. And then he says, And if I got to be quite honest with you, he said they are not. He said, I don't know anybody who looks like you that is in that space and killing it. And I sat with that. I sat with that and I said, interesting. And so that's what I did. Now, you do have to be conscious of who you allow to pour into you. We all do, because not every not all water is good water, (laughs) not all water. But in this case, this was a trusted source. And so I took lead. And so I prayed on it. I thought about it. I talked to my parents. I equipped myself. You know, I said, I'm going to go back to grad school. Not that it's needed. And then I would end by saying is. I used grad school or getting an MBA as an opportunity to kind of do some pre-work on South Post Oak Recycling Center. So instead of going back to get a degree and focus on studying other successful or prominent businesses, which you can still do, I used my two years in grad school to study every angle of South Post Oak Recycling Center, so from our margin to who the customers are, to what the SWOT analysis was. And I feel like while it is not 100% like you're fully ready to to go on day one, I do think that along with all the pre-conversations set us up or set me up because I tell people I'm building on the backs of people who came before me. For in my case, it's my parents. It's them who were the initial ones who were create courageous, which a lot of entrepreneurs are. They took risks, they sacrificed and they built a really good foundation. When I arrived, Stacey was already a multi-million dollar company. And fortunately, I think when iron sharpens iron, when there is vision, when people are in the alignment, when you build the right team, then you can build even more exponentially larger multi-million dollar company with purpose, with meaning and with the right people on board. Okay, I want to get to your level one day. How did you like take us behind the curtain? How did you you inherited or you you know mm-hmm. stepped in for yes. this multi-million dollar? But how did you grow and scale it mm-hmm. to where it is today? Yeah, there are so many tentacles <laughs> that, that go into scaling. I have to tell you, and I'll start with saying, I think if you are in a business or you're thinking about starting a business, we think of and this is my learning, we think of this hockey stick growth. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to invest. I might have to take a couple of years of a loss. And then it's just like, whoo, you know, it just grows like that. And my experience, our experience has not been that. It has literally been like this ascension, this drop, this great ascension. But what that's looked like. So I came into the business in 2013. I came in March of 2013. I resigned from my corporate job for those that are in corporate right after MLK, January 2013. And at that point, I said, I'm ready to enter a new chapter of life. So imagine literally walking over a line or a step to say this will be a new chapter of life and did a three week sabbatical to Europe, came back South Post Oak in March. And so when I arrived, I took the approach of saying what's working here, what's working, what could be better. There's a book that's called like 90 day, your first 90 days. I literally it's a book that I used to give executives at the Walt Disney Company And why not? I took a page out of my own playbook. I look at the book, the first 90 days, and I think you can use it in business. And what that process looked like, Stacey, was 
really understanding what's going on. Who's who in the zoo? Like, who's this team? What's this team my mom and dad have built? You know, at that time we had probably about 28 employees. What's going on around here? While I knew business and I enjoyed business and I had structured organizations and I worked on mergers and acquisitions and unfortunately had done tons of layoffs, I did not know the recycling business, ins and outs. And what I quickly learned is that there are so many more layers to the recycling business than one might think. I was just talking to somebody ahead of time. We're looking at markets on a daily basis. So I had to learn to understand what are the market indexes that we're looking at? How do we look at the market indexes? What does the supply chain look like? You know, where do we fit within the supply chain? Where do we want to fit within the supply chain? Who are our vendors? Who are our current customers? What's working with our customers? What's not working with our customers? Where's recycling going? Where do we want it to go? So there's all of this, if you will, analysis of it. And at that time, we were in a pretty good place in terms of growth. And if you talk to my dad and mom, my dad would tell you in 2013, he had far reached what his vision was. And I think that that's something interesting, too, when you start to look at multi-generational businesses. And that's the beauty of it. If people aren't just riding on folks' coattails, I think I'm really proud to say that Gen 2 has elevated South Post Oak Recycling Center to another level, which goes to your question. And it wasn't at the expense of dismantling everything that had been built. It's been a process of building on top of it. So what did that look like for us? For us, it looked like assessing the people. We had a good team, but we needed to formalize some people processes and systems that were not. We had a very much a culture based on loyalty. Fortunately, my dad was a giver. He was um, a great leader in many respects and people followed, but there was not a lot of people systems in place. So we wanted to put that in place. At that time, the industry dealt with just selling or recycling or working with several different downstreams. It wasn't vetted the same way that I vet today, where it was for my dad, it was almost strictly about relationships. Whereas me, relationships are important, but I want to make sure that from a sustainability standpoint, our downstreams are fully vetted. I know where our recycled material is going. I know how they're handling it. I know how they're processing it. So again, it wasn't dismantling. It was like elevating what we were doing within our supply chain. And I would say the third, the biggest area for us was diversifying our customer base and physically expanding our location. So what does that look like? We primarily would work with households to recycle their material initially and contractors. Think of your electricians, your plumbers, a very narrow targeted audience. I quickly realized that there was larger volumes and quantities of recycled material through contracts, through corporations, through oil and gas companies, through utility companies, and that we needed to build different relationships in order to enter those doors. And that is honestly where my corporate background, I think, really came in is because I was very comfortable navigating, as you are, the corporate sector. You know, it's a very different ball game than an entrepreneurial buyer. There's processes, there's systems, there's red tape, there's key stakeholders, and you got to kind of get to those. So I would say that that was one of the areas that allowed us to scale exponentially is building those relationships and then procuring partnership opportunities with some of these corporates to be able to recycle larger quantities of material. And so South Post Oak, are you 
only based in Houston? Are you all over Texas? Where can we find you? Oh, it's a good question. So South Post Oak Recycling Center is headquartered in Houston, but we service nationally at this point. And that was also a part of our growth plan. When I came on board 11 years ago, we were just servicing the Houston area, which is great. Fourth largest city, that's not a bad territory. Mm -hmm. But part of our growth was me listening to our customers. You know, we had some corporate accounts that we service here in Houston. And one of the questions that they asked after assessing and like, we enjoy working with you guys, you guys provide value is, can you service us in other states? And through strategic partnerships, through strategic partnerships, specifically through my industry and through my networks, we've been able to stretch our tentacles and actually service key accounts in, in other markets nationally. And then we also work globally because the materials that we recycle don't just stay here stateside. There is steel that's going into other countries. There's aluminum that's going into other countries that are melting it down and make. So I would say our customer base is national. Our business base your, your is international. National. is global. Yes, it's global. Wow. Yeah. And there's more to come. So as you're building South Post Oak Recycling Center all over the globe and building for the future, what are some of, what are you doing? What's next? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of what's next. You know, I think about, let's think about short term in terms of what's next short term. We're on the cusp of 2024 here. And I look at where sustainability is right now or the conversations around sustainability or circular economy or environmental, social and governance, what folks know today as ESG. And I believe that these conversations are not about to stop. I think that organizations, consumers, and companies are going to continue to lean into environmental impact, however they understand Absolutely. it. And I, I and I honestly think what's next is, I think what's next is moving from a narrow lens around environmental impact, ideally to a more broader lens around environmental. What do I mean by that? So today, and one thing we would offer our customers, and I'll, I'll back up and so you'll see differences, is Ten years ago, I was talking to our customers about how the recycling efforts or the partnership that we had with them, recycling their recycled materials, paying them for the value of it, how the volume and the tonnage of what they recycled should be captured and they should be reporting that in their sustainability reports or their corporate social responsibility reports. And even though they were already recycling, some of them just didn't get it because they thought of corporate social responsibility as different. And they thought about, thought about it in terms of wages they were paying people, which is right, but it was a very narrow look. Like, what plastic am I recycling out of the little bin that's underneath the desk? And all of those things are relevant, but it's very narrow. And so where we are in that conversation is my plan is for us to remain thought leaders in this space, is to continue to help not only our customers, but broader audiences understand that recycling is directly linked to sustainability. Not only the diversion of material, but also understanding how recycling is a link in the manufacturing supply chain. Meaning when people look about how do people think we get roads and bridges that are made of steel? How do they think that we get stainless steel sinks? How do they think that we get copper tubing that runs through office buildings? Helping people understand that those things 
are made of recycled metal. And it's the process of making sure that that material does not go into a trash can, making sure that it comes to a place like South Post Oak Recycling Center so that we can move it downstream to be melted and made new material. So that, I would say, is the most immediate where I see change happening. And South Post Oak will be a part of that conversation. And I want us to continue to engage to help people understand in a simplified way what is recycling. You know, why does it matter? What is the part that you can you can play in it? But even more clearly, look around. What, look at see where the metal is that is made for us to use every day and what happens with it after it reaches the end of its useful life. So we'll continue to gauge in that conversation and I think help our companies or our customers really see like how do we capture what the initiatives that we're already doing and tie that into ESG goals or sustainability goals. I think it's really interesting. You know, we'll have some customers and customers or accounts and they're like, we've been asked to develop these ESG goals. And I say, great, great, because you're already doing some of it. You're already doing some of it. And oh, by the way, you're working with a partner that also values it. We work and we say that there's an environmental benefit to what you do. There's a financial benefit because you make money doing it. And then there's a social benefit because now we're, you're, you're putting money back into the communities that we're doing business in. So that's what I see in the most immediate and near future. So Brandy, lucky for me, you are in my network. And so I get a chance to have lunch and coffee with you because I could just talk to you for hours on end. I appreciate Thank you. you for being here. Before we close the show, I always love to ask what are you dreaming bigger about next? I love dreaming, but I love doing better. I love doing better. A couple of things. I think that we're only just beginning. So for us, that could be div- continued diversification, continued physical footprint expansion is something that we're looking forward to. I look forward to building multiple companies, Stacey, and building great, phenomenal, impactful teams that lead those companies. And these will be companies of purpose. They will be companies of impact and they will be holistically beneficial for all that are involved. I'm interested in the agriculture space. I I don't know if you know, but I serve, I'm a part of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and there's something that's pulling me toward the agriculture space. I had an opportunity earlier this year to deliver a commencement address at my alma mater, um, Pepperdine University. And it was such a special event um, and not just event. It was such a special connection to be able to share things that are important to me and that I think could be very useful for this state of society. And I look forward to doing or having more opportunities such as that. And then the third and last thing I would say is just continuing to cultivate and build meaningful relationships. So thank you. This is an honor. I and I literally am looking at you beaming because I'm so proud of you coming out the gate so hard this year <laughs> and literally just swinging at them and making a difference, letting people know how to dream bigger. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I'm really happy for you. 